Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, celebrating 20 years of bringing the outdoors to Colorado radio, here's Terry Wickstrom. All right, we are back. Uh, Brad Peterson is in studio with me, and we're going right to the phones as we are joined by one of our all-time favorite contributors, a person I cannot get on this show often enough, and I miss him so much when I don't do the show, Nate Zielinski. Wow, that was incredible, Terry. That was the best of all-time history. You don't believe a word of that, do you? Not at all, but I feel like hearing it. (laughs) No, we love you, Nate. We do. You're a great contributor. Hey, I know you're going to talk walleye fishing. Before we even get into it, we had a guy text in. He wants to know best place, location Denver, he says, but for fish at bait and for fishing northern pike. So before we end the segment, let's talk a little bit about northern pike fishing, both you and I and, and Brad, because there are some opportunities without going very far that are fantastic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think I mean, a lot of— Jerry, it, it's that time of year. There's, there's, uh, there's everything going on. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I'm on the ice pounding pike right now. We'll start with that, but then we'll uh, we'll talk walleye, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up with pike. All right. So what are you doing on the ice for the pike? You know, they're, in all honesty, I really want to hear this because a lot of the ice fishing conditions in the state, because of slush and snow, people are having trouble. Where are you fishing, and what, what are the conditions like? The South Park conditions are amazing, Terry. And, you know, again, every winter is different. You never know. You know, again, a general winter, even a good winter, normally by now at our South Park Lake, especially your 11 mile, uh, you know, in particular, usually we're getting major shoreline thaw. You know, it, it's very common right now to have 20 inches of ice on the lake, but not be able to access that ice via a, a crumbling shoreline. Right now, we are holding solid. The shoreline's at 11 mile, at least the main lake. The inlet's getting a little soft, but that's literally uh, you know half percent of the entire lake. The shorelines are solid, um, allowing us to get on that ice. And right now, we are in the final stages of the pre-spawn for Northern Pike here in Colorado. Um, this is literally the the ultimate time as an ice angler to target these big pike. And I would say that majority of the years in the past. Um, it's a little too sketchy to get out there. I and mean, it's possible you're building planks and boards to try to get on the ice. Uh, but right now with this solid shoreline, it's easy access to, to all the South Park lakes right now. Um, and it's presenting some unbelievable ice fishing for these big pike. Um, so, again, I, it's one of those seasons just like fall when you're kind of torn between hunting and fishing. Uh, this time of year, I'm, you know, the, the walleye fishing on the front range is just spectacular right now. But the ice fishing for, for big pike, for salmon, for big rain, rainbows uh is going fun fantastic as we're getting you know some spawning rainbows uh big giant pike through the ice the salmon bites still continuing so it's one of those things if i was a pike angler right now i don't do anything on the front range i don't really hit the arsenal uh i'm just not that guy i, I stick to the mountains but we are seeing lots and lots of 40 inch pike um through the ice right now 11 mile terrio all those fisheries uh, are locked up the shoreline solid and the fishing's incredible. And these pike this time of year, if you're a normal ice fisherman, I would say that these fishes, you know, the, the fish daily activity and, and movement um, is really skyrocketed from what it normally is. Again, normally we don't get a fish this time of year as our ice is breaking up, and uh, it's tremendous. You know, I do a lot of tip-up fishing for big pike this year. It's one of those things that it, a lot of anglers – 
you know, somewhat look frown upon it. You know, it's bait fishing or whatever you want to call it. Um, but if you're in the market for a big pike, it's just the, the ultimate way to catch these big fish. Right now, these fish are, are hungry. They're bulking up for the upcoming spawn that will happen here in a couple of weeks. Um, they, you know, they're pumped for it. They're, their activity level's up. Uh, so I'm fishing tip-ups for these big fish. If you want to catch smaller fish, we're doing it with rod and reel. But for the sheer giants, we're fishing tip-ups. Um, and it's not uncommon to have a 20-flag day right now. Uh, it's where you go to get 20, 25 flags flying on a pike day right now. So it's it's incredible as far as the the numbers of that. And again, a lot of people think that, like, man, that's, that's okay. Uh, if you're a hardcore pike angler, you know what, what 20, 25 flags mean today. Um, so that opportunity is, is so what are you for what, pike. What are you tipping your tip? Or what are you using for bait on your tip-ups? Right now, we're trying to find the freshest suckers that you possibly can. Now, they'll take a variety of baits melt, um, things like that, but we have suckers in most of these fisheries. Uh, it's a very natural forage form. They don't think twice when feeding it. Um, so if you can find whole suckers, and this is head-on, gut-in, a whole sucker, um, and you know, if you're going to have a frozen sucker, um, you know, thaw it out really slow. Take a 24-hour process to thaw them out. You don't want them stinky. You don't want them you know, gross. You don't want them slimy. You want a really nice, clean-looking sucker, um, you know, and the fresher, the better. Uh, so I take these, these whole suckers and you're looking as small as six inches as big as i think the biggest bait i fished this last week was about a 13 inch sucker um but again that that four six eight inch sucker um you know fished on on some sort of quick strike rig under a tip up um is just through the roof right now and i'm kind of you know really playing with my my quick strike rigs you know every fishery is different and you know there's a million different rigs on it um i want mine as clean as possible so i'm using black steel leader on my quick strike rig i'm using nickel uh eagle claw hooks so my hooks are really dark in colors they don't pick up on it no beads um everything's kind of as stealth as possible um but those big fish are in shallow water right now and and they're on the prowl um so yeah so go anywhere these these fish are going to spawn on on mud flats um, you know, a lot of times near inlets or muddy bays. So find where these fish are going to spawn, and you're fishing near those areas. And anywhere where you're going to have rainbows cruising, anywhere where you're going to have suckers spawning um, is the ideal situation where these pike are at right now. I would say almost all my fishing is eight foot of water or less. Um, there's times where I'm catching these fish in a foot to 18 inches of water below the ice. Um, so you really can't go too shallow for these fish right now as they're in there scavenging, feeding on everything they possibly can. Uh, so shallow water, big bait, fresh bait, make it look natural. Uh, you, know, you want your sit fish, sitting, your, your bait fish or your, your suckers sitting flat in the water column um, and hang on for a good day of big pike fishing. All right. Well, we will update, continue for the uh, fellow that... Uh that sent in the message about Pike. We will update that with open water as we go over the next few weeks, too. But let's get on to the walleyes, because I think we got people hanging on the edge of their chair. You know how big walleye spring, you know what that's like around here. What's happening? Absolutely. You know, Chapel opened on Tuesday for boating. Cherry Creek opened on Thursday. Uh, you know, right now, Boyd is fishing tremendous. Uh, Chatfield's fishing great. Cherry Creek's fishing great. Pueblo is fishing great. Uh, it's actually probably one of the, the faster, harder-hitting starts to the season that we've ever had. Uh, obviously, they opened for boating kind of right in that prime time where we have all of our fish. Um, so, you know, to walk through a couple of the fisheries right now, Cherry Creek Reservoir, um, those fish uh, present themselves in a unique fashion. So at Cherry Creek, you can catch your pre-spawn spawn 
the post-spawn fish all in the same exact area because your pre-spawn fish are, are on the mud flats feeding on a variety of food sources. Number one, they're feeding on shad, but you also have a ton of fish feeding on the unique food source that Cherry Creek offers, which is these small midges and small bloodworms uh, that live in the mud. These fish literally are cruising right on bottom, feeding on these little small bugs, uh, these little worms, um, and they love it. It's high protein, and it's super easy to, to, to catch for them, so there's no uh, burning energy trying to do that. So your pre-spawn fish are on those mud flats feeding on that food source. Then you also have your post-spawn fish feeding on that exact same food source. So they're together, which is nice. And then your fish that are actually kind of, you know, in a, a dormant mode that are spawning at night, they're coming out to that basin to basically relax and hang out during the day. And those fish are gathered there. So at Cherry Creek, you can fish the mud flats and there's, it, it's all open. I fish in front of the dam, you know, out a hundred yards, uh, 200 yards, and you're, you're well out in front of the dam, but fishing that mud bottom right now, you know, you're trolling lead core, you know, cranks and, and a variety of baits. Uh, but if you're putting that bait near the bottom where all of that, you know, interaction with the shads and, and the worms, midges, all that's taking place, um, you're going to catch fish. And it's nice because you're not having to, to separate your pre-spawn, your spawn, and your post-spawn fish. Um, so it's awesome, though. So the Cherry Creek bite is good. Biggest thing to play with at Cherry Creek, the zone at which you're fishing is everything, and your speed is everything. Uh, you know, I'm talking to anglers that are having tremendous days and anglers that are really struggling. Uh, and the biggest difference of that is breaking down that water column. Um, you know, so where there's days where these fish, you know, if it's 22 feet of water, those fish are feeding at 21 and a half. They're feeding at 18. Whatever that number is, the zone at which you fish is everything. You want to put your bait three to six inches above where that walleye is feeding. Um, and that's kind of your goal. So again, this time of year, there's tons of food out there. The fish don't have to, to burn up a lot of energy. They're not going to be willing to chase your presentation down. Cater to those fish. So, number one, if you're out there and you're struggling, speed. Watch your speed. Break everything down in a tenth of a mile an hour. Slower is better. That's going to be the number one thing to help you out. Number two, figure out that zone. Play with it. Constantly work that bait up and down in the water column until you find that sweet spot. You find that right speed, that right zone, you'll catch them on a variety of colors and a variety of presentations. So break that down. That's going to help you. You jump over to Chatfield right now. We literally, we're having a great spawn at Chatfield right now. Um, right now, I'd say we're probably sitting at a 30 to maybe 40% post-spawn rate, have a ton of fish in post-spawn already, which is awesome because those fish are, are the easiest to fish, the easiest fish to catch in the entire system. They've already spawned out. They're done spawning, um, so they are hungry. They are in a recovery state of mind. Um, they're gorging to try to regain that weight, regain that energy that they lost. Um, we are on a ton of post-spawn fish. That post-spawn bite uh, oftentimes happens at night. Again, the bait fish gather at night in the warm water sections of the lake. Uh, so all the bait gathers at night. They gather right on the surface of the water. Uh, it makes it a very easy meal for those walleyes to catch. So as a walleye comes out of spawn, they're low on energy. Um, they want the easiest meal possible. That meal is existing at night. So at Chatfield, we're spending a lot of time at night on these post-spawn fish, um, and it's incredible. You're know, getting 30 fish nights right now at Chatfield, uh, which is great, and we're seeing some big fish. We're getting both males and females mixed in there, uh, so a great variety of fish there. Um, there's also a handful of pre-spawn fish. The pre-spawn fish are catching during the day uh, in a totally different water section. So the, the, the night bite for the post-spawn fish is shallow flats, warm water, shallow flats. 
the daytime bite for those pre-spawn fishes happening on structure. Points, roadbeds, contour change is strictly a shad-based bite, uh, similar to what you'd see in May uh, as far as a jigging presentation goes. Now, again, there's not as many of those fish. Um, a lot of those fish that are in spawn mode um, are staging out in front of the, the dam in deep water. They're staging in the gravel pits that are spawning in the river. Uh, so the, the spawning fish are staging, suspended in somewhat deep water. Uh, fairly tough to catch. You've really got to troll for those fish and dial them in. But there's enough pre- and post-spawn fish where I would focus on those fish, so Chatfield, daytime, points, structure, jigging, nighttime, trolling cranks, high in the water column, um, you're going to do do very well. Pueblo is very similar to Chatfield. you got probably a, a, a great common mix of pre-spawn, spawn, and post-spawn fish. Uh, same thing, post-spawn fish are targeted night, cranks, warm water where the bait's gathering, uh, pre-spawn fish, same thing, structure, points, um, areas that these fish are, are going to leave very quickly to, to head to their spawning ground. So you're looking for points and structure near their spawning sites uh, to catch those pre-spawn fish at Pueblo. We are out of time, Nate. If people want to book a trip or want more information, how do they find you? Go to tightlineoutdoors.com, guys. We are having a tremendous start to the season. Uh, we're seeing 30-inch fish. We're seeing numbers of those fish. Uh, so book a trip with us. Learn how to do it right now, uh, and you can carry yourself through the season. There's no secrets. Bring a GPS with you. We don't care. Bring all your stuff. We'll teach you how to catch them, and you guys can do it for the rest of the season. But, again, everything at tightlineoutdoors.com. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I'm Brad Peterson in studio with Terry. And we have a special guest joining us on the line right now, Jim Crowley with Hook and Hunt TV. Good morning, Jim. I'm here. I was starting to wonder for a minute, but I'm like, I'll hang on. You never know what can happen. Uh, that, that's a good plan. Uh, <laughs> I know that uh, you're you're a big Fishermen out in the Midwest do a lot of bass fishing and walleye fishing, but you wanted to talk about one of your favorite presentation styles for spring fishing, and that's jerk baits. Yeah, there, there's no, there's no question. I, for every species of fish that f- swims um, in fresh water, I, I, when when water clarity presents itself to be clear and especially clear and cold water, I don't think there's any presentation better out there than some than some type of jerk bait. Um, you always have to have two things when, when when you get a bite. One, you have to attract them, and two, you have to trigger them. And there, I don't think there's anything better out there on the market that is designed to do both in such a consistent regard as a jerk bait. And that's why whenever I really need a bite in cold clear water, no matter what I'm fishing for, it's a jerk bait. Yeah, they're they're phenomenal. I use them a lot for both bass fishing and particularly walleyes this time of year from shore. What when you're picking a jerk bait out, what traits are you looking for? There's so many out there on the market. Give us a few of of the things you really like. Well, it, water temperature is going to be my my first. And if I can determine what the water temperature is, the colder it is, the more I'm going to want that bait to sit there. I want absence of motion. A- actually, that term was coined by Hall of Fame lure designer from Rapala, Mark Fisher. And I was sitting in his office one day, and we were, we were discussing jerk baits, and I was all ears. I didn't do any discussing. I did the listening. And what Mark told me was that what really triggers a bite in a lot of lures is that absence of motion or that stop. Think about it. You stop a crankbait after it hits something. Then you start it up again. You stop a spinnerbait after it bangs into something. You let it flutter. 
you, you drop a plastic worm and you stop it. You drop a Ned rig and you stop it. That's an absence of motion. That's what can trigger that bite. And the cool thing about a jerkbait is, is when the colder the water is, I want to pick a suspending jerkbait. So I would go way back to one Rapple design like 2009, which was the X-Rap, which in my opinion changed jerkbaiting. That was a slash bait more than anything else. It could stop. It could hold its depth presentation exactly where you stopped it, and it could sit there. And it could stay in that fish's face longer. So the colder the water, I'm going to want a suspending jerkbait. So for smallmouth, I like bright colors for them. So an orange or an orange and chartreuse. That's, I'm going to pick that in the X-Wrap. For largemouth, I'm going to pick that in that 45, 50-degree water temperature. I'm going to pick maybe a color like hot steel. Size 10 by far is my best for both species. So that's where I'm going to start. And then as water temperature increases, so the fish's metabolism. So I will choose a different jerkbait. Yeah, and that stopping is a key. And one thing that a lot of people don't think about up here in Colorado with the higher altitude we don't have as much pressure on our water, and sometimes those suspending jerk baits tend to float just a little bit because mm-hmm. the pressure against them is a little bit different. So when you get a new bait out there, take it out, test it, and if you need it to, to put a little weight on, use one of those suspend dots or suspend strips, put a little added weight on there, and then that also will change as the water temperature changes. So whether a bait is suspending right or not might change a little bit as the water temperature is increasing. But as you say, once the water temperature increases, that pure stopping action isn't quite as important. No, it's not. And there's another thing that you can use to keep that bait down. I use, especially on my spinning rods, I use a sinking braid and sinking fluorocarbon combination. So I use a suffix 832, which is a sinking braid. And then I tie a six-foot fluorocarbon leader which fluorocarbon line sinks, if a lot of people don't know that. It does. It looks like monofilament. However, it reflects light, and it also sinks. So I tie that to the sinking braid with an Albright knot, and that's what I use for a majority of my jerkbait fishing when I'm using a spinning rod. As the water temperature warms, then I go to a bait maybe like a, sh- like a shadow wrap or a shadow wrap shad. The shadow wrap I really, really like for smallmouth. It's a longer, thinner profile, and I like those profiles for smallmouth. When it comes to largemouth, I'll go to the shadow wrap shad, especially the deep one. And what's cool about that bait is when you throw slack back to the lure, the lure can literally turn 180 and look back at the fish that's following. That's how that body design, that's how that was designed. So what I'll do instead of a jerk, jerk pause, I'll do a jerk, jerk, throw the rod tip back, jerk, jerk, throw the rod tip back. When I throw the rod tip back, it throws slack back to the lure, and the lure will go on its intended path. In other words, almost turn completely back around and look at the fish that's following it. That's what I do when the water temperature starts to warm, and I still feel I need a jerk bait. In summertime, if I'm using a jerk bait for smallmouth, which I do a lot, especially in the Canadian shield lakes, then I'll go to a new jerk bait that Rapala came out with last year called a ripstop. And that bait doesn't do anything when you stop it. When you stop it, it stops. It doesn't go from side to side. It's got a little special tail that stops it in place and will very slowly float head up. That is my favorite jerk bait. When I just want to rip a jerk bait and move it as fast as I possibly can, that rip stop, absolutely killer. It'll darn near get the rod ripped out of your hand on smallmouth. Yeah, and I tell you what, that rip stop has actually been a really good lure for me catching some bigger trout out here in the West. Oh, I bet. Oh, I bet. We've got lots of, you know, 
great smallmouth fishing as well, but but it, it does really good on the trout, even with a straight retrieve. One thing I do want to mention on the shadow wrap and the shadow wrap shad is the shadow wrap actually sinks just a little bit. Right. If you're fishing from shore, I don't recommend people using that because it will sink down and has a tendency of getting snagged up. So go with the X-Wrap, the Rip Stop, or the Shadow Wrap Shad. Something that, that either is neutral or floats is going to be a little bit better for you. Correct. And the cool thing is about the Shadow Wrap and how it got its name is if you think about the Shadow Wrap, when it, it as you said, it sinks, it almost kind of fades to the side a little bit, or it shadows a dying bayfish. With the Shadow Wrap Shad, it will sit there and kind of shimmy a little bit, and then, like in colder water, it'll start going head up again, shadows a dying bait fish. So you basically have in that series a way to shadow dying bait fish depending on your retrieve. And you're 100 percent correct. The shadow, the, actually, the rip stop would be perfect for those trout for another reason, is because one of the reasons that was designed is how popular swim baits are. Well, the only problem with the swim bait is effective and as deadly as they are is when you stop them, they fall. And the cool thing is with the rip stop, it has that same rolling action as a swim bait. But when you stop it, it sits there and literally stops, suspends, and then will slowly start to hang up. As you said correctly, deadly, absolutely deadly on trout. Yeah, Jim, I appreciate your phone call and uh, uh, giving us some great information on jerk baits. If people want to find out more information about you or Hook and Hunt TV, how do they find you? They can easily go to our new, real, uh, newly designed website, which just came out yesterday, and it's hookandhunttv.com. Our new season starts April 22nd, and they can easily find us there on Facebook and on Instagram. Fantastic. Well, we appreciate you coming in. Uh, Terry and I will be back at the next segment talking more about some local fishing information. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. of a variety of music today. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. In studio with me is Brad Peterson. Brad, I talked earlier about interacting with boats and shore anglers. We got a text from someone who says at Quincy, if the boat is there, the shore angler can't come and interfere, and roar is the opposite. Now, I can't verify that, so I'm not going to say it's rules. Check wherever you're going, but the state rule is that a boat can't come within 150 feet of a shore angler. And if that if that boat is established, if you're a shore angler, be courteous. Don't go casting right where he is. But as a boat angler, also remember that you've got a lot of mobility. That shore angler may have walked into a place where he doesn't have mobility and just be considerate of each other. Yeah, usually if if a situation like that arises, you know, check the local or lake-specific regulations. But the other thing is, if you communicate a little bit, it, it avoids a lot of the uh, harsh interaction. You know, shore angler comes up, says, hey, I, I walk down here. Do you mind if I fish here? And the boat angler may say, well, I'm fishing this way. If you want to cast the other way, I've got no problem. Uh, you're absolutely right. Now, we're going to have Ronnie Castiglione join us in a little bit, and he's going to talk shore fishing for walleyes. But, well, we've got a few minutes, and I've got you in studio. I haven't tapped your brain. First of all, what have you heard about the walleye spawn? 
The walleye spawn started off late this year with the ice cover that we had that extended much later than normal. So it's going, it's starting to finally ramp up. I know that Cherry Creek had one day this week that they collected over 3 million eggs. Pueblo's starting to go good. Chatfield is catching some big fish, maybe not quite as many of the numbers for spawn, but I think we're looking pretty good at hitting the target number this year. Well, that's good. Hopefully we'll get a wrap-up afterwards, and we've had some pretty good spawn takes the last few years, so if we get anywhere close, we'll be in pretty good shape. And it was a different winter, and speaking of a different winter, that's put a lot of these lakes in a different place as to where the fish are. I know you focus a lot on northeastern reservoirs. What are you seeing out there? Well, uh, the one exciting thing to let people know about is North Sterling at 8 a.m. this morning opened their boat ramp. So you're going to start to be able to fish out there. Uh, boat inspection is going to be 8 to 4 on the weekends. And then on the weekdays, it's going to be at the park office. The only ramp that's open is the Elks ramp right now. So if you want to go out there, there's an opportunity at Sterling. Typically, uh, not a lot of guys get out there to chase the walleyes, but there is some early season crappie fishing. Uh, kind of coming back a little bit from there. Jackson opened up about a week ago, and the fishing out there has been really good. When the water was running in, a lot of people were catching some wipers in that 10 to 15-inch range in the inlet. The water has slowed down, so those fish are starting to spread out. But the walleye guys are catching fish on jig and minnows and uh, slip bobbers right now. So there's a, a good bite there, working our way back. You know, Nate mentioned it. Boyd Lake has been having a phenomenal bite for this spring it was the only lake open early so i think a lot of people went up there and hit it wanted to get their boat out but uh, people are catching a lot of good numbers of fish with a few nice sized fish and it's fishing very similar to what cherry creek uh the way the way nate mentioned cherry creek right now well i think another thing i found a boy talking to a bunch of people is they're catching a lot of trout if you wanted to just get out and catch some trout in a lake right now boyd might be a great place to target it would be they there were a lot of trout that made it through the winter a little a lot of those better sized trout and then just in the last week uh cpw also stocked some more trout in there so it's a great opportunity for people to get out there catch some fish. If that water turns in on that inlet by the Marina Cove, that will draw in uh, the panfish, the the white bass, and the walleyes will all stack up in there. So keep an eye for when that happens, because when that does, it's some of the best fishing of the year. All right. And what are some of the lakes you can guide on? Uh, um, right now I'm guiding on Sterling, Jackson, and Boyd with a couple more we're looking at uh, adding on in the next few weeks. And I think it's going to be a great year. If you want to come out and learn about those Northeast lakes, these lakes have the catch per net on their sampling is almost double any other lakes in the state. Uh, some of the lakes are over 80 walleyes per net. So if you want to get out, catch a lot of fish, you know, learn about how to catch walleyes, these are some of the best lakes in the state. You know, when you're out at Sterling, don't overlook those catfish either. The cat, they'll be going from now right through about June. Yeah, the catfish are great. And if you haven't been out to Sterling, Sterling being way out in the eastern plains is actually a very scenic lake because it's got some bluffs in there, draws. Every time I'm out there, I'm seeing deer walking along the banks. It's It's got a, a very remote feel. And 
a lot of character to the lake. Well, we're going to take a time out and we come back. Ronnie Castiglione is going to join us and he's going to talk fishing walleyes from shore. And I'll bet he's been out probably Carter, Horsetooth, maybe Boyd. He might even had his boat out, but the note he sent was from shore. And I'll bet he's putting some jerk baits to use that we talked about earlier. And he's going to give us some tips on that and a few other tips right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. It's pretty dynamic music. It must be because we have such a dynamic guest coming up. <laughs> it's, it's that, and it goes right along with our dynamic weather here recently. Yeah. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Brad Peterson is in studio with me, and we are going right to the phones, where we are joined by Ronnie Castiglione. Good morning, Ronnie. Terry, that didn't sound like the Eagles. Something something must be afoot. We'll finish with the Eagles. we got to have a little variety, you know. We had, a couple weeks ago, we had my friend, um, we had my friend uh, Robert Zimmerman on for a while. Most people, you know, he I went to the same high school. He lived three blocks away. A lot of people know him as Bob Dylan, but... <laughs> and we did some dire... How are you guys doing this morning, Terry we're, Brad? We're doing great. Doing good. I'm, I'm tired of perpetual winter, but we're doing great. <laughs> yeah, excellent. You know, it's getting to be that time of year, though, where the fishing's getting good all over the state, Terry. And and right now, you know, what I wanted to talk about, and, you know, I've been listening to the show today, and you guys talked to Nathan, and you talked to a guy couple segments back about jerkbait fishing and all that kind of good stuff you know it is that time of year right now in northern colorado where we like to get out and we like to walk the banks and get out there and target those walleyes right now terry you know i think the bite is going to be really good here for the next couple weeks and then it's going to get even better in like say three weeks so it's the opportunities right now for people to get out you might catch the biggest walleye you're going to catch all year right now terry well you know i i agree with you completely and i talked a little bit about this earlier in the show and this is a time for big fish. Now, it isn't that you can't occasionally get numbers if a lot of those small males are in, but the big females are more vulnerable right now than any other time. It can be a time to catch the biggest fish of your life, but you have to be persistent because it can also be a time where you have two, three days in a row where you don't get a bite. Yeah, that's really the case, Terry. And, and, you know, for the listeners, something to pay attention to this time of year, especially here in Colorado, is that you can literally follow that walleye bite and that walleye spawn from the southern part of the state as it works its way north. And so to give you an idea, you know, let's say right now down in, in Denver, if, if Cherry Creek and Chatfield, if they're down there and the nets have been out this last week and it looks like the fish are spawning and stuff like that, you can usually count on the fact that these lakes here in northern Colorado are going to be running two to three weeks behind those Denver lakes. So, you know, if you're looking for numbers, maybe you want to go south, you want to head towards Pueblo because those fish should be wrapping up pretty quick and, and, and the males should be real aggressive post-spawn, that kind of a thing. If you're looking for, you know, the the bigger fish, the bigger females that haven't quite moved into spawn yet, but maybe they're coming up and they're cruising the banks at night and they're thinking about spawning and that kind of a thing. You know, if you start getting out on lakes here in the northern part of the state, lakes like Carter Lake or lakes like Horsetooth, this is going to be the opportunity to get out there and target those big fish, and then we're going to be looking for numbers in a couple of weeks here, Terry. No, I couldn't agree with you more. So what are, you said you like the night fish, and obviously those big females are most vulnerable near the shore during the twilight, either morning or evening hours and into the night. What what kind of approach do you take, and what, how do you go after them? 
Well, you said something that's kind of important for the for the listeners to understand, Terry. Yes, you know, all night long we get these hardcore walleye guys that like to get out and walk these banks and fish in the middle of the night and that kind of stuff. Uh, it tends to be for myself, Terry, that over the years, you know, I don't really like fishing at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. So as I target these fish this time of year, I really am. I'm just looking at those those transition periods, Terry. You know, I'm looking to get to the, get to the lakes maybe an hour, hour and a half before sunset, something like that, and fish that 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 hour right there and maybe fish that hour or 45 minutes or so before it gets too dark for me to really see what's going on and and then fish in the dark for maybe a half hour or an hour terry so i may only be looking at getting out for two to three hours this this time of year when i'm targeting these walleye so it's not really an all-night adventure so that's important for for newbies to understand that you don't have to get out there and fish in the middle of the night all night long you know a lot of us have jobs terry but so you know the way i like to approach you you know and it's kind of the do this time of year, Terry, is definitely throwing the jerk baits for those fish. So if let's to take Carter, for example, if I'm heading town to Carter, I'm definitely going to be throwing some larger size jerk baits in a lake like that. Uh, we've had a lot of success the last few years throwing those cutter style jerk baits from Berkeley. Uh, you know, the, the cutter, the cutter 110 is an excellent choice. I, I think I've caught the biggest walleye I've caught in my life on that cutter 110 at Carter Lake, Terry. And uh, so earlier, you know, if I get there and I'm looking at maybe an hour or so before sunset, it tends to be I'm walking the banks and I'm often throwing the, the regular Cutter 110 out there a little bit deeper, you know. So I'm launching that thing out and making good long casts and just trying to work that zone between about 15 feet of water all the way up to about two to three feet of water somewhere in there now as it gets darker terry and as it becomes you know a little harder to see and as i suspect these walleyes should start sliding in closer to the bank then a lot of times i switch from that that regular cutter 110 to the shallow version of the cutter 110 they make it in the skinny version the shallow 110 that one there is only going to dive maybe a foot or two at the most that's the one i'm going to use as it's getting real late and it's getting dark and i want to parallel that short line a lot more terry i'm really only going to be working that bait over let's say maybe six feet of water all the way into maybe about a foot deep terry and uh you know this time of year it's definitely about the pause and you guys talked about that a little bit earlier as the water is colder it's definitely a longer pause for me terry and it tends to be that my rips are a little less aggressive as the water temperature is cold and then as it starts to warm up and as we start to see more of the real aggressive males get get into action then it tends to be that i can i can accelerate those rips and those pauses a little bit and, and trigger more of those strikes from those aggressive fish terry now I, a couple of things you mentioned that i couldn't agree with with more and one was fishing a little deep earlier before the sun goes down in fact sometimes i'll even throw a jig in plastic at that time and work the the bank a little deeper if i keep from getting hung up but one point i really want to and i'll ask you and brad to both comment on this i think that this time of the year when you're fishing that after dark bite with jerk baits looking for those big walleyes i actually think you can do a better job from shore than you can from a boat oh lots of times Lots of times I, yeah, I you, agree with that as well. Um, the shoreline is is a great opportunity to access those fish because they're pushing up into that, you know, five feet from shore to do their spawning. So being right up there, often at, at night you're actually going to hear the fish splashing right along next to you or, or right be- below your feet. So the shore is, is as good as, as a boat angler, good a chance to catch quality fish as anyone in a boat. And, Ronnie, I think that sometimes you can even work the area better than you can from a boat. 
Yeah, you really can't, Terry. And it's also been my experience that being real stealthy, being real quiet, is very, very important. Even from a boat or from the shore, uh, the shore will actually allow you to be a little bit stealthier when you're working the bank because you're not on the trolling motor. You're not having to adjust the boat. You're not having to move around and make a lot of ruckus like that. So that does allow you to get real, real shallow. Now, you know, one of the other things I wanted to bring up, guys, is, you know, for, for the newbies, for the for the people that get out and, and trying this sort of fishing for their first time, you're definitely going to get snagged. And that's just part of the equation. But one of the things you can do to kind of eliminate some of the snagging and, and save yourself some money is, is understanding that rod position, the way you're holding your rod is going to be very, very important when you're working these jerk baits shallow from the shore, especially, Terry. So, you know, if you're casting out and that bait's landing in, say, 12, 15 feet of water out there a little bit deeper, then your rod position can be down to start to retrieve. You know, you can have that rod basically parallel to the water or maybe even pointed slightly down to the water as you're pulling and as you're ripping and as you're pausing that kind of a thing. As that bait comes in shallower and starts to get closer to the rocks and starts nicking the rocks, then that rod position needs to change in your hand, Terry. Often the rod needs to come up to more of like a 75% or maybe a straight vertical as far as where your rod position is in your hand and how you're ripping the bait. And then definitely when you're ripping those baits really, really shallow in there parallel and you're in that real skinny water in the middle of the night, you want that rod tip to be up. So you don't want that rod tip to be down, pointed at the water. It'll just snag over and over again. So just kind of play with that rod tip positioning as far as how you're holding a rod. And just keep in mind that you can steer those jerk baits through the water column by adjusting the position of the rod, Terry. All right, Ronnie, we've got to run, but if people want to book a trip with you or uh, want more information, how do they get a hold of you? Fishfulthinker.com. You can get a hold of me, Ronnie, at fishfulthinker.com. You can email me. You can get onto our website, fishfulthinker.com. You can find me, Ronnie Chesley, on Facebook. You can contact Chad. You can contact Dan, all the same kind of way like that. Uh, we are starting a book here for the year, no doubt about it, and so that everybody knows Horse Tooth and Carter will both be opening here Monday. So April 1st was their target date. Both legs are scheduled to open, and it's time to get out. So let's do it. Get on the books. Oh, you're actually right. You and I have to get on the water too very soon all right terry it sounds like a good time you bet ronnie castiglione brad i got a feeling that the topic of conversation is going to change from jerk baits to well i won't say jerks but other kind of other kind of athletes (laughs) (laughs) jerks maybe sometimes no so are you guys talking broncos rockies or both probably hit on all of it the nut you got the nuggets too well yeah we were were talking about what a great time to be a sports fan in denver right now. it really is the the avalanche also they're they're quietly kind of making their way into the playoffs so it it is super exciting it looks like yeah we could have a playoff run for everybody and it is exciting and uh you know, the Rockies made a couple playoff runs the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. They look good on paper coming out. Those two guys at the top of that rotation look like they're yeah. solid. They're yes. going to get better. I think we're going to find out the next couple games, whether we have a up-and-down rotation or whether yeah. we'll see guys coming up. But I think the offense look like looks like it's going to be better, too. Yeah, well, that's in the playoffs last year, they couldn't get on base for anything. Right. And that's what killed them. So to see them come out, this put up six runs in two straight games. That's actually what's got me the most excited. But you're right. The rotation looked great up top. Can they keep it going? We'll We'll see. see. Now, give us a hint. What are you going to talk about for Broncos? Well, Vic Fangio met with the the, the, the owners meeting this week, and he had a lot of quotes that have – that have been some, I don't want to say controversial, but it's got everybody yelling at Brandon Stokely on Twitter. So, <laughs> Well, Brandon doesn't shy away from controversy. Hey, Brandon, Brandon's got great opinions. Yeah. I, I love Stokes' opinions. Yeah, so. he's a great guy. Well, Brad, thank you for being in studio with me today. 
Thank you, Terry. We've got to wrap it up here, but if people want more information from you or book a guide trip, how do they get a hold of you? You can find me on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors, Instagram, Brad P. Outdoors, or give me a call at 303-829-3998. Follow me on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We always have lots of great information there. And don't forget to join us every Saturday from 9 to 11. Although, very shortly, we're going to be... Um, Going to our uh, our summer hours, we'll be moving from 10 to noon, but I think that's the two, three weeks. And so we got some changes. Watch that. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour in sports with these two great gentlemen following us on 104.3 The Fan.